Hello, everyone. This is Niu Niu. Surprise, surprise! The last episode was not the last episode of our podcast. Now, welcome to the final bonus episode of Old Wisdom, New Insights. Today, I am again very happy to have invited Professor Steve Roddy from the University of San Francisco to our show. Hello, Professor. Hello there. Hi, Professor. Super happy to have you here. Previously, Professor Roddy has provided us with his insights on two of our historical figures, Zheng Xie, more commonly addressed as Zheng Banqiao, and Feng Menglong. Today, I'd like to talk about some broader topics, starting with the question that puzzled me the most. You've been learning Chinese for a really long time. Learning Chinese as in Chinese culture, not just the language. So, what inspired you to study Chinese history and culture? Hmm. Well, I have a very vivid memory of sitting at home with my parents one evening and watching President Richard Nixon walk through the Jincheng, through the Forbidden City,、mm-hmm. in the snow. It was in February 1972. I was a high school student then. You know, it was it was a very interesting time to be learning about China. You know, because the relationship between our two countries had been almost non-existent、mm-hmm. uh, until then. So suddenly, China was in the news, and I think that's what initially piqued my interest. And then, when I went to college a little bit later, I decided, well, I'm going to study some Asian languages. And the first one I took was Chinese, and from there on, it was just、uh, I don't know, love at first sight, maybe. I didn't so, imagine your answer、I、to be really, so、uh, romantic. Oh, <laughs> really? Well, I had some good teachers that really helped, and then、uh, I started to read、uh, Hong Nong, and then I I really liked that, so I、uh, just kept on going, and then I went to grad school, and the rest is history. Wow. That is very beautiful. And by the way, Hong Nong、uh, is also one of my favorites. Because yeah, yeah you've had、mm-hmm. this really long relationship with Chinese culture, and now you're teaching it. I was wondering,、um, mm-hmm. was there a particular historical figure in China or a particular saying? Since you know we are on the show, old wisdom, new insights, that you find、mm-hmm. speaks to your heart, that you find most related to. Well, I yes, I've been thinking about this all my life. Probably, is there one any one single Chinese person <laughs> I'm most fond of? And、uh, I guess、uh, maybe Tao Yuanming. Tao Yuanming. I guess I would I would cite him. How come he's your favorite? I think it was because he、uh, had a, an attitude toward life that was very exemplary. He knew how to enjoy life. And he also recognized that there was a lot of suffering. I mean, he lived in a difficult time period, but he managed to make the best of it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm influenced by the respect for Tao Yuanming that I think all Chinese feel. Is your favorite saying also said by Tao Yuanming? <laughs> Or do you have? Yes,、us? of course. Zai ju dong li xia, you ren jian nan shan. Yeah, that is a very beautiful one. I thought you were gonna pick something like "Luo Di Wei Xiong Di, Hu Bi Gu Rou Qin." You know, perfectly describes our situation here. But Cai Ju Dong Li Xia also is something that I think a lot of Chinese people would relate to. It's the kind of lifestyle that 
not a lot of modern people can, you know, enjoy. That's the luxury. But that reminds、mm-hmm. me a little of、um, this question. That is, I feel like sometimes it is really hard to translate. You know, because I, I learn English and just I, I sometimes do some translation work, and I realize sometimes、mm. it is easy to translate to the meaning of things, but it's really hard to translate to the feeling of aesthetics. So aesthetics is kind of like the second level, but it's really, really hard to translate philosophy. If you do not have the background, if you do not really understand the standing point of this mentality of this culture, it's really hard to translate philosophy, in my opinion. Especially translate the traditional Chinese philosophy into English perfectly. So, what do you think is the most significant difference between Chinese culture and philosophy and the Western ones? I have actually been thinking about this topic, this broad question, a bit more lately because I I've been reading a lot of、uh, works by a particularly interesting writer named、uh, François Julien.、Mm-hmm. He's a French philosopher who is very、uh, well versed in both Western and Chinese philosophy and culture and. Um, so I've actually learned a lot. I mean, he's sort of confirmed a lot of things that I knew or you know had sensed anyway. But、um, some of the things that he singles out as being particularly important actually come down to linguistic differences.、Mm-hmm. For example, that Chinese language typically doesn't use tense in the way that、mm. most Western languages do. It's not quite accurate to say that Chinese doesn't have tense, but especially if you're talking about philosophy, you know, classical writings, tense is very different, and that in turn affects the way that Chinese language and philosophy deal with issues like time. You know, the whole idea of time,、mm. which is an abstract concept in a lot of Western philosophy, and particularly in the 20th century.、Mm. You know, if you think of Heidegger and Well, it's become very. I mean, maybe it always was, but it's a particularly important topic in 20th century philosophy. And, and Chinese、uh, didn't even really have a kind of abstraction, an abstract term for time until the 19th century. I mean, it just didn't come up. And partly that's related to the whole issue of tenses and the different ways that people express time、mm. in language and philosophy. So. So that's just one of many, but I, I think there are, there are a whole range of them. A lot of it does have, I think, to do with the fact that,、uh, starting with the Greeks, there was a tendency for European philosophy to emphasize abstract concepts and sort of abstractions、uh, that were divorced from physical objects or even physical reality. Maybe that's the starkest difference between China and the West: is that、uh, so much of Western philosophical ideas are expressed exactly as that, as kind of abstractions and abstract ideas. Actually, so, your example about、uh, time reference reminds me of a theory that、uh-huh. I heard: that is because Chinese、uh-huh. people do not specify. 
time or do not really, you know, have tense the way English has or other languages have. Actually, that is why we initially didn't like credit cards so much, and we love to save. Put money in the bank because we relate the present, the past, and future really closely. <laughs> our money is always our money, and we put them in the bank instead of, <laughs> you know, spend them in advance. Interesting. I've never heard that one. Right. That <laughs> I think that sounds.、Uh, yeah, that makes, makes sense. sense. <laughs> I think it's a yeah, funny but very vivid example here. That is,、um, there are something fundamentally different, but I do think、mm-hmm. there are also things that are. Almost universal. People can understand each other as long as we pay attention and、uh, we spend time looking into each other's culture and learn from each other, which is kind、oh, of yeah, yeah, kind of the purpose,、um, kind of why I'm doing old wisdom, new insights. And since we are on、mm-hmm. the topic of this show for this season, actually we selected five people: Fan Zhongyan. Zheng Banqiao, Wang Anshi, Feng Menglong, Zhang Boxing. For those of you who are listening and have no idea who these people are, go listen to the previous episodes of Old Wisdom, New Insights. They are actually the stars of our entire season, and they've got some fascinating stories. But I was wondering, for Professor Roddy, do you have any major impressions of them? What do you think are their most distinctive qualities or biggest achievements? Or is there anyone you are particularly interested in? Well, you picked some interesting people for sure.、Um, going from roughly the early 10th and 11th century to the late 18th century is、mm-hmm. so、a long time span, and all of them are known for being. You know, good writers, for one thing.、Mm-hmm. Uh, they and typical of educated Chinese men. They, <laughs> I believe, they all served in some capacity. I mean, we'll get into that later. But they were well educated in the Confucian classics. They wrote in all the genres that literatus、uh, educated man was expected to be able to write in and to master.、Um, they each had specific talents of one kind or another. But they all, I think. You know, we're certainly very talented in their own ways. We'll talk about the ones that I was—I singled out as I, my interests.、Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more interested in, and also closer to the time period that I know more about. I, I'm more familiar with the later dynasties than the earlier ones. But、uh, certainly, Wang Anshi is something, someone that one can't avoid if you are studying anything about China, because、mm-hmm. he was such an important intellectual. And、uh, political figure in the late、uh, 11th century, maybe one of the earliest really deep dives I took into Wang Anshi was in a story about him by Feng Menglong, one of the other、oh, yeah, uh, right. figures that you、uh, read about.、Uh, because Wang Anshi, as、uh, some of you may know, had a very、uh, tempestuous relationship with many of his contemporaries. <laughs> Colleagues. He, he was a rather stubborn guy. <laughs> he had his own ideas, so.、Yeah. Uh, his contemporary Su Shi, and he got into an argument about the Changjiang, and specifically the water in the Changjiang,、mm-hmm. the Yangtze River. And so, Feng Menglong wrote a story which was based on an earlier story about how、uh, Su Shi, who you know, kind of suffered under Wang Shi and his successors, nonetheless 
in the end of the story recognizes that yeah and Wangansha really knew what he was talking about <laughs> and he sort of had renewed respect for him mm. uh, so that was sort of funny because there's a lot of ambivalence I think towards him mm. since he uh, had great ideals but he wasn't able to fully you know, carry them out or at least they a ended little up bit ahead of failing time, and then yes and then Later on, they were implemented by some of his successors, but mm. in a very kind of dogmatic way. Mm. And and some people blame the fall of the Northern Song Dynasty on these later attempts to reform the countryside, according to Wang Anshu's ideas that ended up creating a lot of social turmoil. Yeah. So he's a very interesting figure. Fan Zhongyan, you know, he's, he's an interesting guy too. And I think maybe more sort of colorful as well. I mean, there's a, there are a lot of anecdotes about him. <laughs> yeah, sort we of an interesting, actually included a lot of anecdotes about all these people in our yeah. shows, yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. And as I said, the other two, Zhang Banqiao and Feng Menglong, are sort of my favorites of this group, uh, whom we'll talk about. I was surprised, though, about Zhang Boxing because I, I don't think most people, maybe nowadays he's getting more attention, but... You know, when I was I was working on the period of his lifetime quite a bit in my earlier career, and so I I never really read a lot by him, but I always sort of got the the impression that you know he was a very high official, and you know he was much more dogmatic than Wang Shi. Oh yeah, he was really kind of a a very stalwart enforcer of the orthodoxy. So <laughs> yeah, from my perspective, when I was studying that period, he was sort of the enemy, <laughs> sort of the, the one who represented the most rigid forms of Neo-Confucian orthodoxy, you know, the Li Xue. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I never really felt much affinity for him. I like Zhang Banqiao much better. Zhang <laughs> Banqiao was, was much uh, fun. <laughs> you know, much more kind of uh, free living and uh, not at all uh, conformist in the way that Zhang Boxing. But of course, Zhang Boxing was very talented. Yeah, he was very talented. And uh, the article he wrote about not accepting any bribes and just, you know. Right, very upright, That's... very morally exemplary. Yeah, and also it's I think it's linguistically beautiful with the all the wording and stuff. Though he, like you said, was not that fun to maybe be friends with, but he was definitely a good official, <laughs> a good one to the people. We would include some of their sayings as well, of course. That is why it's called old wisdom. In your opinion, do you think the old Chinese wisdom sayings or philosophy still apply today? I try to apply them in my own life, yes, <laughs> even though I'm not Chinese. <laughs> I think, uh, Glad to know that. Many of them do, yeah. I think uh, there's just so much wisdom in Chinese culture, uh, going back to Dong Yu and you know, all those books, Sushu Jing. There's a lot there that can still be helpful to people nowadays, so yes, absolutely. Thank you very much, Professor. And I think this makes a perfect final episode of our third season of Old Wisdom New Insights. Thank you guys so much for listening to the entire season. Thank you for this long company and hopefully you've enjoyed our show. 
So if you did, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review. Not only because we really want to know your opinion, but also hopefully more and more people like you would be able to get to enjoy Chinese culture, starting from old wisdom, new insights. And who knows? Maybe we can inspire more people to be like Professor Roddy here. To start their own journey into this different but definitely wonderful world of Chinese culture and history. And thank you very much again. I'll see you in the next season of Old Wisdom, New Insights. Hey guys, this is Niu Niu again. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe via wherever you tune in. If you have any questions or feedback, please get in touch via email at crilearnchinese@gmail.com, or you can interact with me directly on my Facebook page, Niu Niu Chinese. That's N I U N I U Chinese. Thanks for your company, and see you next time on Old Wisdom, New Insights.